been a long time coming, nearly 10 months since the last Iowa football game, but here we are, game week. Iowa versus Purdue, Saturday, 2.30, Big Ten Network. David Eichel here, HawkeyeInsider.com. Please be joined, as always, uh, by Sean Bach, a recruiting insider, the best recruiting insider in the Iowa market. Uh, before we really get into things, I want to remind folks, if you haven't seen on Twitter or on our website, HawkeyeInsider.com, we do have a 60% off sale going. We've received tremendous uh, support and response so far to that. An annual subscription, all the Iowa insight, conversation, scoop, and an, uh, analysis that you could want for one low price. So be sure to check that out, HawkeyeInsider.com, for the details. But, Sean, here we are. It's finally game week. Again, it's been nearly 10 months, but uh, you ready to get back into the swing of things? Yeah, definitely. I mean, just this past week, it's been pretty crazy. Um, obviously, with school and stuff, it's been probably one of my busier busier time periods. And this fall, it kind of just seemed empty a little bit with no Big Ten football. But even, like, just watching, like, SEC and the other conferences play, like, it was cool for college football to be back. But it just didn't feel right with the Big Ten not playing. So I'm definitely excited for that. Definitely excited to get back in the groove. Um, with just writing, just watching football on Saturdays. I mean, Big Ten football, that is. So definitely, definitely exciting time. And Saturday's matchup, a lot of questions with that game. So it's, I'm ready to ready to dive into it a little bit. Yeah, definitely, Sean. You know, something I, we'll, we'll bring up in a little bit, but I want to touch on it right now. You know, something that stuck out to me is just how bad the SEC defenses have been. I mean, I've said it's a glorified Big 12, but I'm very curious as to how – the Big Ten's defenses will stack up. Uh, if the offenses are going to put up as many points as the SEC and the Big 12, uh, just because with less practices, uh, less conditioning, that is a real worry for teams. I know Kirk Ferentz said earlier this week that he still has a little bit of concern about the conditioning of his team, but he said that's going to be the case all across the country uh, just because they were out of the loop for so long. So what are your kind of initial thoughts on that? Because again, I'm thinking that the scoring average might be a little higher, but I still think we're going to see some decent defense. Yeah. I think in the first couple of weeks, I think this upcoming week, I think the defenses might be the main pieces. I think those will probably be the ones that perform at the highest level. Um, just because I think it takes a lot for an offense to really get into a flow of things. Um, especially with Iowa. I mean, we've seen it before. Like they've obviously they've played the non-conference, opponents to start the season you can kind of get away with a couple of things on the offensive end same thing with defense too but I think I think just their offense comes along as the season goes I mean um, especially like towards the end of the season I felt like during some games that it really really picked up I mean the holiday bowl is a prime example of that but I think in two with like a new quarterback I think maybe the offense might get might be a little slower might not be as explosive as people want it to be right away but I mean, hey, maybe I'll be wrong about that. Um, but I think I think really the defense, I think we'll see some dominance on the defensive end to start. I mean, remember, this is the Big Ten. So this is a defensive conference. This is a grind them out. No matter how different the game has changed over the past couple of years with just the vertical passing game, the speed on the field, this is the this is the Big Ten. Like it's its foundation is built on ground and pound. Um, low scoring games um, maybe we'll get that on Saturday I don't know Purdue's offense is pretty pretty potent especially in the passing attack but I guess we'll have to see I think for certain that the other the other games might be might be kind of low scoring but this Purdue Iowa game might be one that's a little different 
Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right, too. And again, we'll actually be able to see a little bit of a taste of it Friday night when Wisconsin takes on Illinois. But, Sean, before we really get into this breakdown of uh, Iowa-Purdue, it is important that I feel like we, we touch on this. I have my own thoughts about this. It's kind of been inevitable, I think, when we, we take you back to the Robert T. Green saga. Uh, I'll say, quote-unquote, saga – but back when they were telling stories of or sharing the experiences of former uh, players who were, they felt like they were mistreated uh, and following the Hush Blackwell report, it basically did leave a little bit of wiggle room for a lawsuit. So again, this is kind of a long time coming, but eight uh, black former players uh, that played for the university of Iowa have officially filed a lawsuit uh, claiming that they were in a discriminatory environment enabled by Kirk Ferentz. Uh, I think director Gary Barta and Brian Ferentz, they're seeking $20 million and the firings of all three. And look here, here's the thing. It, I don't know if this goes to trial. I don't think there's much merit for this suit. And I think it is important to bring up context and it with the people that are helping lead the charge. The first two people that are, uh, that were named were former Iowa standout running back Akron Wadley, who's one of the most productive players uh, in in, in school history. But again, here's some context with Akron Wadley. And this is where I think it loses credibility to some extent. June 5th, everything came to light, started by a James Daniels, the current Chicago Bear offensive guard, former Iowa uh, center, great, again, standout player who called for change in the Iowa program, didn't call for any firings. He wanted better culture. Uh, to feel black players more involved and be treated as, as equals um, instead of being discriminated against that, you know, 50, 60 other people followed suit. Akram Wally, June 7th, said, I'm not, it's not my call for anybody to be fired. I'm looking to make a better place for my younger brother. There's a reason why I didn't name names. So what happens? Months later, he's leading the suit for $20 million and for the removal of all these people. I think, he, I think he got some bad advice, but here's what I'll say, and this is an, an unfiltered opinion. Akram Wadley, it's been well noted. Like, this is not something I'm just claiming one person alleged, two people alleged. There's tens of people, if not hundreds of people, who have said this, that Akram Wadley uh, was selling autographed footballs or autographed memorabilia, and basically he collected the money, and a lot of these people never got their stuff. After DMing Wadley about it, he'd block them. This has been a common trend. And basically, it turned people off. It kind of ruined his reputation with Iowa fans. And then moving along that, I'll come back to that in a second. Kevontae Martin-Manley, former the all-time Iowa receptions leader, great player, was badgering fans in their direct messages to buy autographs, to buy memorabilia, to support his brand. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But it turned people off, and he'd been long silent about all this. And it, maybe I'm mistaken. I do not remember him coming out and saying anything regarding this when news broke in June. But again, basically with the $20 million is saying is, hey, we are looking for some money. And I'm not saying that's the entire motivation behind it, but I do think this plays a part in the larger scale of things because the people who actually had – terrible experiences who have been you know that felt like they were discriminated against wanted the program to be better 
they didn't look for money. They didn't look for firings. They wanted programs to be better. If they were looking for anybody to be fired, it was former longtime strength and conditioning coach Chris Doyle. And I think it's fair that these eight players be heard out. I think, you know, again, I'm not one to silence anybody. But the context is important. If Wadley wanted to make the environment better for his younger brother, then why was he and his family asking Iowa to offer 2021 ring back Donovan Wadley? If, if there was a racial allegations against uh, the program, why would you want to send your younger brother through that program? I think it's something to think about, and I do think that's relevant in this case. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's a cash grab, it's a money grab, but it's absolutely 100% fair for people to question the motives of these players, including there's, I won't name the player. I think it's too embarrassing to name the player. There's one player that in his story that he told to Robert T. Green said that he was forced to eat medium rare steak rather than medium steak. I mean, are we really going to diminish and make every little thing seem like it's an allegation of racial disparity? That silences people who have had actual terrible experiences or actual um, stories of being discriminated against. I, I think it's something to think about, and I think it's incredibly noteworthy. This case, HawkeyeInsider.com will keep you in the loop about that. Um, and again, I think these players should be heard. They have a right to tell their story. Uh, if the lawsuit goes forward, uh, there's a more of a legal precedence that legal precedence that must be taken on. Um, and again, I'm not trying to silence anybody, but I do think fans have every right to question some of these motives because it doesn't add up when you look at the context. So I felt like it was important for me to share my experience and my, my unfiltered thoughts about that. I don't think that this could amount to anything, and I don't think the University of Iowa is going to settle. Uh, and there's really no good options. But I will say this. I don't think they should settle. Um, I, it's an ugly situation. And I, I hope it gets better before it gets worse, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But again, I really think it's important for every context uh, imaginable for as far as the Wadley and the Martin Manleys go is because there are stories of them trying to utilize their Iowa fame uh, to get money. And when that's gone silent, this they, they see an opportunity here. Maybe they're trying to take advantage of it. So uh, again, We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll keep you up to date. I felt like it was important to at least touch on this. But, Sean, if you want to share anything else about this, any more thoughts about this, feel free. Otherwise, let's get back into sports. Let's dive right into Purdue, Iowa. Do you have any, any thoughts on this that you want to throw in? No, I think, I think you touched on all the points, Dave. Um, I'm ready to talk about football, honestly. Yeah, I, I feel you. Again, the only thing I'm going to repeat again is it, it's not my place to – tell anybody to be quiet or silent. They should have every right to share their experiences. And they, if they want to move forward with this, they have every right to. Um, but again, I think it's fair for outsiders to question uh, the motivation behind it. But Sean, let's move forward. Iowa-Purdue, we are just over 48 hours away from kickoff. A lot of big storylines, I think, coming out of this. Um, let's, let's just start right into it with, with Spencer Petrus. We, we've touched on this thing the last few weeks. Uh, what, what, are your, what are your reasonable expectations for Petrus going into this game? Again, he's got all the weapons uh, at his disposal that have experience. There's going to be no opposing crowd. It is a road game in his first Big Ten start, his first college start. Uh, but what are you expecting to see out of Spencer on Saturday, and what are you hoping to see from him on Saturday? Honestly, as far as 
like just reasonable expectations. I think the big thing for me for Petrus is just to get comfortable because I think this is the type of game where, I mean, I know Purdue's defense obviously is a new defensive coordinator and Bob Diaco, um, former Iowa linebacker, if that name rings a bell. Um, so that's kind of been what was the focus or at least talked about a decent amount during the press conference on uh, whatever day it was, Tuesday. Um, said like, hey, we don't have any defensive film from Purdue with Diaco last year, so we're going off other games, other seasons, other places where Diaco has been the defensive coordinator. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But honestly, like I, I just think from a first game standpoint of first years, first starting, um, I think it's just getting comfortable. And I think we saw it with Nate Stanley a few – or in 2017 um, against Wyoming in the season opener. Uh, that was my first game I've been to in Kinnick Stadium, which was – a pretty cool experience, but I mean, back on topic, I think the main thing with him was just getting comfortable. Cause I think once he hit Noah fan for a touchdown pass, that kind of opened things up a little bit, opened up the passing game, um, opened up a lot of, a lot of areas for Iowa to really, or for Stanley to really kind of feel more comfortable in the pocket. Um, and I know Purdue's a better opponent than Wyoming was. Um, but I just think in general, Peters just finding his groove early, hitting a couple of check down passes. I mean, I know people don't want to hear that word, but just hitting short passes, getting groove with the running game, being in sync with the wide receivers. I think what's so key here too is the offensive line because Purdue has a pretty good pass attack led by George Karloftis who had seven and a half sacks last year as a freshman and is going to be a future All-American and probably a first-round NFL draft pick in the next year or so. Um, and they have Lorenzo Neal up front too, more on the interior, but Neal is kind of the big question with him throughout the preseason has been whether or not he'll be healthy. Obviously had an ACL, um, tear in 20, the last, I believe the season finale of 2018, um, and then didn't play all of last year. And the big thing with him has been getting in shape and just making sure he can play every single drive. Um, so that's going to be critical for, for Purdue. Um, and I just think too, with Iowa's offensive line, just containing, just containing Karloftis, containing what Purdue can do with the pass rush and just making sure that Petrus gets comfortable in the pocket because as a first year player, or we know that Petrus, I mean, he's not going to make, be making a lot of plays with his feet. It's going to be with his arm. It's going to be with his instincts. And I think what's going to be so critical is finding ways to keep him protected and just finding that finding that middle ground where you can get the pass game and the run game going. And I think what's so important too is getting that run game going because if Goodson's able to Sauer Goodson's able to make plays with his feet, then that can really open things up in the passing game. As we know, I mean Purdue has an experienced defense coming back, but that production from last year kind of kind of worries me a little bit because for for Purdue's sake, because really they just were not good last year with passing yeah. defense. Um, and so keep in mind, features, too, Bob Diaco's system, too, Sean. I mean, it's the first game, and Jeff Brom's not even going to be there with his new defense. Right, yeah, that's another that's another factor to play. Um, obviously, Brom is kind of known as a genius when it comes to in-game adjustments and making making those making those adjustments on the fly. Um, so just having – if Petrus can get comfortable and just find his groove in the offense, not turn over the ball – um, I think that's going to be – I think you've got to be happy with that. I'm not expecting like a – I know a lot of people want that 
300 passing yards, 400 passing yards, three or four touchdowns. But I think if you can get like a typical Nate Stanley stat line where you throw just over 200 yards, have like one or two touchdowns um, or maybe two or three, and then get a couple run run plays, run rush, rushing touchdowns, maybe get a defensive touchdown, special teams, who knows? I think you're in good shape. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, and I, I think another guy to keep an eye on too, Sean, when you talk about the Purdue defense, Derek Barnes is back for another year, and he was, he was a monster last year. Uh, seven and a half sacks as well. Um, 11 tackles for loss, 63 tackles. Had eight tackles against Iowa last year. Uh, and did get a quarterback hit as well. He's another guy. I mean, there are playmakers on this Purdue defense, but again, I don't really know what to buy into just because I, I've seen Bob Diaco's defense up close and personal. Remember, I, I covered Nebraska during his only year uh, when he was the defensive coordinator there, and I mean, there were issues all over the place, and I would argue that while there might be more top-end talent and top-tier talent uh, at Purdue, as in like the two- or three-star players, I think the, the Nebraska defense at that time had more overall talent um, on that team. So I, I'm curious. And again, just with the Jeff Brom factor not being there, I do think that's a major issue just because the, I, I feel like just them not ever coaching a game together, Bob Diaco and Brom, I just feel like that could just absolutely fall apart. Um, like you said, I think reasonable expectations, Petrus. I think I just put this in our VIP chat that we were on earlier. I mean, if you can get 220, 230 passing yards from Petrus with two touchdowns and lim- and no no uh, interceptions, I think you're in. A, I think Iowa is going to be in a really good position to win. I think that we're going to see Emir Smith Marset and Tyrone Tracy utilized in the rushing game. I think we're going to see them try to establish Tyler Goodson on the ground to open up a deep play action pass. I think they're going to try to get a couple of quick. Uh, maybe a couple quick passes to get Petrus's confidence going in a game, or maybe Brian will come out swinging. Maybe you know the run, run up, get first down off two runs, and then maybe try to throw a deep ball, uh, you know, for Petrus. Because if he completes that, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's going to be going out for the rest of the game with some swagger. So, I am interested to see what the offensive game plan is to attack uh, the defense. Like you mentioned, an interesting point is they haven't seen. Purdue's defense try to run this style uh, so they have to rely on I think it was LA Tech and Nebraska mostly I I don't know if they used Oklahoma's film as well but Bob Diaco was only a defensive analyst for Oklahoma for a season before he went over to LA Tech and then again now he's at uh, Purdue so it'll be interesting and I think from all accounts um, Petrus came out uh, with some confidence in the press conference I think he's ready to go. We kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago, Sean. I think that Petrus is just saying, hey, I've been here this long. We've talked about all this. I want to go out and play some football. He's basically as ready as he's ever going to be. Diving into a little bit more, Sean, we we talked about this at the beginning a little bit, but there's going to be no Jeff Brom at the game. I'm curious, what are your kind of uh, thoughts and expectations with with Jeff Brom out of the picture? I believe Brian Brom is going to be the new uh, quote-unquote 
uh, now I want to say offensive coordinator, but he's going to be the acting head coach. He's going to be calling plays and he's never called plays in a football game before. So how do you think that's going to affect Purdue's offense? Yeah, it's definitely going to be different. I mean, as I said before, Brom gets the respect for being probably one of the best, if not the best play callers in college football and just like adjusting on the fly um, with no matter what side of the ball. So it's definitely going to be a really interesting aspect of it. I know there's a couple of reports yesterday saying that Purdue is filing a lawsuit to allow Brom to coach during the game or something like that. Like what, what's the deal of it? It's like, I think it was an appeal. I don't think it's a lawsuit. I think there's not a lawsuit. Yeah. Sorry. Appeal. Because it's uh it's an NCAA rule that somehow bans it because they were going to try that with Nick Saban, but they just basically gave up on that. But that was before uh, the news came out that Nick Saban's COVID test was a false positive. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how that would work. It sounds like really, it doesn't seem like a strong possibility. Um, but who knows? I think, Definitely that's an advantage for Iowa too because you don't have a guy like Jeff Brom who knows everything like the back of his hand um with the offense. So and that's gonna be that's gonna be a big test because it just it's like a comfortability factor too with having a coach. I mean, just like playing sports throughout my like life, like I know I only played football for one year, but I grew up playing basketball, baseball and like just playing in like a normal setting, like in an AAU game or something like that, just not having a normal coach. And even if you have an assistant coach, like it's just a weird, it's just a weird dynamic. And with a new core, I mean, it's not necessarily going to be a new quarterback. Like it sounds like the buzz is going to be Jack Plummer at quarterback for Purdue, but they could see multiple quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, Aiden O'Connell, Austin Burton as well from UCLA. So that's definitely going to be – I mean, both O'Connell and Bert or O'Connell and Plummer have experience from last year, but it's still going to be kind of just different. Like, that's something that Purdue has never had to do with not having, this, not having a head coach on the sideline with this team. So it's definitely going to be something they have to adjust to. And I also feel like it's just going to be – like I said before, like it's a comfortability factor. Like – having your head coach on the sideline, like that's something that you really take pride. I mean, you obviously appreciate it when you have him on there, but like when he's not on the sideline, like you're going to appreciate it even more. Um, and I think too, yeah. it's like, it's just weird. Like, it's just a weird, I mean, you know, it's like this whole season, <laughs> yeah, this whole season, like it's just going to be odd in that perspective, but like you never really realize like what it's going to be like until it happens to you or like you never really expect it. So, I mean, there's really no way to game plan it. Like, I feel like most of the pressure will be on Brian Brom, but who knows, like, what their communication is like. I'm sure Brom is pretty close with his offense or very close. Um, so, yeah, it's just going to be – it's just going to be odd. Like, I don't really know any other way to describe it other than just, like, it's just going to be – I think it's an advantage for Iowa, but we won't really know until it's, like, applied on the field. No, and you're exactly right. I mean, I think it does play into Iowa's hand, but at the same time, who knows how Brian Brom's get called the game. Because like you said, I think what what stands out to me about Jeff Brom's coaching and his play calling is two years ago when Purdue did beat Iowa, I remember they kept going deep ball after deep ball. I believe it was Terry Wright, the former Purdue uh, wide receiver who just torched Iowa. I think that was the game. Uh, Hankins got two different defensive backs got benched because they were just giving up long touchdowns. They just kept going deep downfield in the second half and Iowa couldn't stop them. And that's ultimately, 
uh, why they lost the game. But again, that mid-game adjustment just killed Phil Parker and his defense. So at the same time, I also think that this provides a little bit of a challenge for Phil Parker. Are they going to, is Iowa going to try to run a 4-3 or are they going to try to run a 4-2-5? Because right now, Sean, I think there's a little bit of a fear factor with both of them. And this kind of leads me into my next topic that, you know, Dane Belton's, it'll be interesting to see how much cash he actually plays. Cause from what I I've gathered and what I understand, I don't think they're ready to play Kevon Merriweather at safety and not leave Dane Belton there. So Belton's going to have to slide back at safety alongside Jack Kerner. So who goes in that cash spot? Is it going to be Riley Moss or is it going to be Julius Brents or is it going to be another guy uh, that maybe is flying a little bit more under the radar? And on top of that, if they try to run a four, three, uh, Sean, as we've kind of confirmed with our VIP members, it doesn't sound like Jack Campbell's going to be playing. Uh, middle linebacker, been talked about all offseason, 6'5", 243. Uh, it's likely he's going to be out with an undisclosed illness. And, you know, kind of a weird moment during the press conference, but I think it, uh, it's going to be a lot more prominent across college campuses. We had asked Kirk for an update on the players' Uh, health and and, and everything he, he basically said oh you know we got a few guys nicked up but I'm not really going to disclose any of that till after this week you know that's something that perks up your ears like uh, okay well what's what's going on so I'm curious if there and again I from what I understand I don't it, I don't think it's COVID related it's not COVID related from what what I'm hearing but it'll be interesting. Do they does Nick Neiman slide in that mic role and if that happens who's going to play that weak side it's going to be a guy like uh, Justin Jacobs, Seth Benson. Maybe we'll see some Jay Higgins on special teams, a true freshman. On uh, And Kirk Ferentz basically said you'll probably see them both on the field at some point. And if that's the case, where does Barrington Wade kind of play in the picture? I mean, look, as as much of a difficulty as it could be for Brian Brom calling the plays, Sean, that while Iowa has a lot of talent on defense, there are, the, there are some question, big question marks, I think, hanging into this game. Yeah, no, 100%. And there's just, I don't know. It's just going to be the defense. Like, I feel like, too, with Kirk, like, not being able to disclose injuries and stuff, I think he can kind of get away with that more because, like, with all the COVID stuff, it's like you're not going to tell the media or you're not going to go public with who has COVID. So why why not do the same with injuries? Like, you can kind of mesh them a little t- together, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, but, yeah, like this is a game, too, where you're going to need all the speed possible. With the Purdue wide receivers that they have, um, you're going to need speed possible. And I think, too, with that four-two-five, I mean, it was meant to really kind of limit that passing attack and just kind of get more speed on the field. And you're going to need that against Purdue. Um, but, I mean, if I'm, if I'm Iowa, I trust Phil Parker and Julius Brent seem to talk, really reiterate that, too, like every time that – someone would bring up like, hey, like what does Rondo Moore bring to the table? What's it like going up against Purdue's like two potent wide receivers, like yada, yada, yada. He would say, we just need to make sure we execute and trust the game plan. I know it's cliche, but like I feel like at this point, like if you're given an answer like that, I know it's like media training and everything like that, but I think if you're giving an answer like that and you're confident, I feel like there's a reason to trust what Phil Parker is going to do. And we've seen it time and time again that Phil Parker has been able to deliver um, when it comes to a game plan. I mean, Purdue's been tough the past couple of years. Obviously, David Bell going off um, last year. I think it was Terry Wright 
that yeah, went off in 2017. Yep. And then like Anthony Mahogany, or I don't know how to say his last name was 2017. So Purdue's had success getting the ball to that one receiver in the past year, but not like in those years, like they had potent receivers, but this year they got two guys who are potential NFL who will be playing on Sunday in the future type players. So that's definitely going to be interesting to see what they kind of do with that. I think too, you have the nice thing about defensive backs is Kirk brought it up. I think they're going to maybe go like five or six. Um, I don't know if he meant cornerbacks. I think that's kind of where he's headed right now. Um, but I also too think it starts up front with the defensive line. I know it's cliche games one in the trenches, but there are questions this year with eyes passing attack or pass pass rush. And yeah. without AJ Epinesa this year, I think that's going to be especially critical for guys like Chauncey Golson, Zach Van Valkenburg. And we saw it too with Joe Evans last year against Northwestern. Those guys were able to shut off blocks and get in the backfield and really make a difference. And that makes, that makes a huge difference, especially when it comes with a team like Purdue, like Purdue, obviously they have like an experienced like quarterback, like I guess you could say quote unquote experience, not necessarily like a two or three year starter, but they got guys that if you can make them uncomfortable, they're not going to be able to find those guys downfield. I know both David Bell and Rondell Moore, you can make like you can help like you can get them in the short game. Like Rondell Moore is a guy you can throw off screens, like you can put them in the backfield, you can get them slants, you can get them outs, like whatever. Like you can just get him the ball and he'll make plays. But if you keep, don't allow them to run their full routes, like if you don't let David Bell get deep, if you don't let Jack Plummer, Aiden O'Connell throw up a jump ball to one of those wide receivers, especially to Bell, then you're in good shape because Purdue's offensive line, they bring back a decent chunk of experience from last year. I know their left tackle, don't know why his name's not coming to mind right now, um, is probably one of their best offensive linemen. And that's probably going to be my key matchup for this game is if Chauncey Golson, whoever's on the edge against him, that's going to be so critical for him to get into the backfield. Because if you can really slow down that passing attack and it starts up front, like I said, if you can slow down that passing attack, then you're in good shape. Like that's, that is so big. And that's like, I feel like Iowa's defensive backs are experienced enough that like you can trust them a little bit more. But my big thing is what are you going to do with the defensive line? Because there, there are some concerns with that. I'm not saying like they're bad, but I'm just saying they're, like Phil Parker mentioned it, like he understands what the defensive line like has to bring. I think that's going to be especially critical. No. And I think you're right. I mean, I think here's my thing. We, we kind of talked about this, I think last week, Sean, there are a legit eight to 10 guys I can see playing. And I'm not saying they're not all going to play, but you go up and down that, that depth chart and you're like, okay, I can see them playing. I could see them playing. Who's going to emerge? I think Jack Keflin and Davion Nixon, I think if they can create disruption in the middle, along with guys like Austin Schulte, maybe Noah Shannon, Logan Lee, or John Wagner get thrown there, that's going to open things up for Chauncey Golston and Joe Evans and those guys on the edge to make some big plays. And I think Heflin, again, was a huge addition to Iowa in the offseason. And he, and I think he's going to play with an extra two extra motivations. One he, he said multiple times in his eight-minute interview, he grew up dreaming of being a Hawkeye. He wants to be here. His teammates are raving about how great of a teammate and person he already was and how much of an impact uh, he's already made on the team. I mean, I wrote that story, Sean, and, and Tori Taylor, Iowa's new punter, replied and just said he's a great person on top of everything else. 
So I, I, that's something that at least, again, it sticks out to me. So if Heflin and Nixon create, can create some disruption in the middle, I think that's going to be a huge key, not just in this game, but going forward. And for a heavy passing team like Purdue, get the quarterback rattled early. And I think that's going to take, I think that's going to carry over. If Iowa can get some, you know, suitable rushes, maybe get two sacks in the first couple drives. I think, you know, Jack Plummer, I think Jack Plummer's going to start. Maybe the alarm is quarterback clock and said goes off a little bit quicker than it should. Um, and I think that could also create some turnovers. So again, I think that'll be something to watch uh, with Nick Neiman likely playing the mic again, I'm really curious who's going to step up at weak side linebacker. I don't think it's going to be Barrington Wade. I think it's either going to be Seth Benson or Justin Jacobs would be my first two, but I think we will see Justin Jacobs get some snaps uh, in that, in that game and not just special teams. I'm talking defensive snaps. So a lot of big question marks, Sean, but like you said, they, they went to a four two five defense to, uh, to, to keep up and put more athleticism and speed on the field. They primarily did that because of, teams like Purdue I think they implemented it after uh, Wisconsin a couple years ago there was a big touchdown I believe Nick Ben Neiman I think couldn't catch up to the receiver and at that point they said you know we 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 can't run this scheme against certain Big Ten teams so again it'll be interesting to see what Phil Parker and them want to come out and, and try to do but before we get into the uh, the mailbag, Sean, I think we've kind of broke this down a little bit enough. We'll we'll give our final prediction for this game, and 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 our keys to the game at the very end of the podcast. But before we get to the mailbag, Sean, we, we talked about doing this. I don't want to preview the East really. I want to primarily stick with the West. If you want me to go first, I think I have my prediction right. But let's give. We won't go game by game. But let's give our order of finish in the Big Ten, in the Big Ten West, and. and at least one reason why you kind of believe to be that that to be the case. Do you, uh, do you have your prediction ready? You can go first. Okay. You want me to go? Okay. So again, I think this is kind of a, a toss up to a certain extent and I'm going to go against the grain here. I know it, it's going to come off as kind of a, maybe a Homer pick, but I, I think Iowa gets the job done. I really do. I think that they can finish six and three and maybe even seven and two if a break goes right. I know people say with uh, Nate Stanley leaving, that's going to make a huge impact. And again, I'm not saying it won't. He's an all-time statistical leader. But when you look back at Kirk Ferentz seasons, when they have new quarterbacks, they do well. First-year starting quarterbacks under Kirk Ferentz do well. Uh, Both of Kirk Ferentz's Big Ten championships teams have come with first-year starting quarterbacks. Brad Banks helped lead Iowa to a share of the title in 02. Drew Tate did the same in 2004. And first-year starter C.J. Beathard was given the keys uh, in 2015 after uh, a dismal 2014 season in which Jake Rudock transferred to Michigan. Uh, C.J. Beathard led him to a 12-0 record and to the Big Ten Championship. So I'm going to go with Iowa wing the West because of the offensive weapons. And I'm not going to discount a Phil Parker defense. One way or another, they'll probably have it figured out. But I think there's too much talent on the offense. I think their offensive line has a shot improving. Sam Laporta could emerge as one of the Big Ten's best tight ends. They have Tyler Goodson, Mackay Sargent, and they have good wide receiver weapons. So if Petrus lives up to the hype and, and plays well, I think Iowa wins the Big Ten West. And I think they secure that with a win over Wisconsin on December 12th. So that's my prediction. I think that it's going to go Iowa winning the West, I think – 
Wisconsin's going to be second because I think Graham Mertz is legit. I'm going to go Minnesota third, but not far behind. Uh, they have a lot of talent. I'm curious how their defense is going to stack up. I think they go six and three, but again, I think they lose. I think they lose to Michigan this Saturday. I think they lose to Iowa, and I haven't looked at the rest of their schedule yet. Um, but that's my prediction. I think Minnesota goes third. I'm going to go Purdue fourth because I think with David Bell and Rondale Moore, I just think there's too much wide receiver talent that they may even have an average defense. They might even be able to sneak into a third place finish. I don't think they will, but I think that, you know, I, I think they'll finish fourth. I'm going to go Nebraska fifth. I, I really don't buy into them yet. I don't trust their wide receivers yet besides Wondell Robinson. There's some talent there, but lack of game experience. We'll see if Adrian Martinez can get back to his freshman year self. If that happens, then maybe we're talking about a third-place finish. I don't trust their defense. There's still a lot of work to be done in Nebraska. And I'll say this, too. They're opening up the season with Ohio State-Wisconsin. I mean, it's realistic. They could start off 0-3 or 0-4 in the season. I mean, it, their schedule's brutal, and I think there are a lot of question marks. Uh, I'm going to go Illinois, then Northwestern. Illinois could knock off a team. I think there's some talent there, but I don't expect them to follow up uh, the season. So, again, it's going to be Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Purdue, Nebraska, Illinois, Northwestern. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So I'm going to go a little different from you. Okay. I think the Big Ten West is going to be an absolute crapshoot. Yep, I agree with that. I think I've heard it from many people. I've heard other things. Listening to podcasts, listening to other people's reasonings, like I was more on the side like there's going to be one team that runs away. It's just going to be clear one, two, three, four, like five, six, whatever. Sure. But I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a crapshoot. Like I think it's there's a possibility that – We'll have one team go seven and one in the regular season. Then we'll have others go five and three, four and four. And I don't know if there's gonna be one. Like, I think Wisconsin's gonna win the Big Ten West. Like, that's who I'm gonna go with. I have Wisconsin. Then I have. I think I want to go with Minnesota, honestly, in second. I just don't like. I don't know. Like, I just feel, I just feel weird picking Iowa in first or second at this point. Like, I don't know what it is. I think this team's talented, but I just think there are so many question marks, like with how the season will go and COVID everything that I just don't know at this point. Like, it's weird. Like, I just, I don't know why I feel weird. I have an eerie, eerie feeling about it. I think they'll go – I think they'll start 3-0. I think they'll beat Purdue on Saturday. I don't – I think they'll beat – I think they'll beat Northwestern, but that will be closer than people like. I think they beat Michigan State at home. 
I think they lose at Minnesota. I think they lose at Penn State. I think they win against Nebraska. Or sorry, I'm going through the whole schedule, but I kind of have to at this point. <laughs> I think they beat Nebraska. Of all the games, I think Illinois is the game that I'm pretty worried about in terms of an upset. I don't know what it is. I just don't have a good feeling about that game. I know Iowa crushed them in, what, 2018? Illinois played them pretty close last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I just think they return a lot of talent, and that's a game that I'm a little worried about. It'll be, think, it'll be an interesting game, say the least. I agree with you. And, I mean, I can see Illinois finishing above sixth. Yeah. No, I, I could see him finishing fourth, honestly. Yeah. Like, I could see him finishing fourth. So, I'm going to go Bucky number one, Wisconsin. I'm going to go Minnesota two, Iowa three. Um... Let's go with Northwestern fourth. Okay. Okay. Purdue. I think Purdue and Illinois will like somehow like tie for um, last, but like they'll have like, they'll get like the head to head. one or two. They'll have like two or one or two upset wins. Sure. All right, well, you spoke now. Now everyone's going to hold it against us for the rest of the year, and we'll reflect back on how wrong we actually were, Sean. Okay, Dave, uh, you, made a, you made a homer pick, so. <laughs> I, you know, I, I guess if you want to call it that, but, I mean, I again, I will say, I think with the loss of Jonathan Taylor, I mean, I know Wisconsin always run the football. I think there's a lot of talent that left them, and I know they return a lot. Again, I'm very on the edge of picking Wisconsin. I've gone back and forth about it, but today I, I will go Iowa. But, you know, I, I don't think Minnesota wins. I really think it's going to be between Iowa and Wisconsin. Um, anyway, let, let's, let's dive in the mailbag uh, quick, Sean, and then we'll, preview, then we'll give a quick prediction on the Purdue game. So uh, I'll just leave you this one. Swarmcast, do you know if Iowa is – uh, if the Hawkeyes' interest in Waukee's Aaron Smith might be increasing, the kid is a gamer and is getting overlooked. Yeah, I definitely think that's one to keep a close eye on throughout the or throughout the IHSA postseason. Um, I'll actually be in Waukee on Friday is my plan to see Smith, and I'll talk to him after, get video, get a bunch of good stuff from him. Um, so yeah, I definitely keep a close eye on Aaron. I also think it's interesting, too, with Jordan Oladokun, the defensive back from Tampa decommitting. I think Oladokun might be more of a safe bet than um, Smith in terms of, like, early production. But I also think Smith, his versatility is something you can't ignore. Offense, special teams, defense, I think he can make an impact on special teams if he's not going to make an impact on defense. Um, But, yeah, he's definitely one that's going to be to keep a close eye on um, with that one. So. For sure. I think I think there's definitely a chance Iowa offers him, but we'll see what happens. And again, I think they should. I mean, I've, I've been a huge fan of his film. I've really come around on him. I think that he'd be a, a solid addition because he's got the speed and the athleticism uh, you can't teach. So uh, how often and who updates a prospect's 24-7 sports profile, such as height, weight, and offers? Um, 
basically any publisher, anyone affiliated with 24 seven sports can update the offers and all of that. But as far as the height and weights go, I think Sean, you'll attest to this. You kind of have to take it with a grain of salt because usually what we'll try to do is wait till a verified measurement and a verified weight. Well, not, we always, we can't always do that because there are, you know, and again, I don't blame the coaches or players for doing this. They'll, they'll exaggerate their height and weight a little bit. I mean, they'll throw on a few extra pounds here, uh, another inch or two than they actually are. Uh, and it, it does make a difference. So I mean, we, I think for the most part, we try to wait until uh, we can get a verified measurement, whether it be at a camp or anything else like that. Yeah, sometimes I'll have kids tell me too, like just out of blue, like I'll look at their profiles and I kind of just go off of that because I'm like, all right, like if if you get in trouble for it, then you get in trouble for it. It's not my fault. And it does make a di- like I said, it does make a difference. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so don't the if any if any recruits are listening to this, do not lie about your height and weight because they'll find it's out. Not worth eventually. it. It's not worth they'll it. Find out eventually. Yep. Um. With all of the wide receiver talent, will we see Tyrone Tracy take some snaps at running back? I, I think it's an interesting question. I don't think so, just because Iowa talked about the depth they have at running back. I mean, they, they think Ivory Kelly Martin can make some contributions. Makai Sargent is back. Tyler Goodson, at, uh, the starter, is going to be back. I think he's going to have a little bit more of a, uh, a weight to carry this, this time around. I don't see this that to be the case. Maybe if they want, if Brian really wants to get creative, maybe they throw uh, Tyler Goodson out out wide, and maybe they put Tyrone Tracy in the backfield, make something happen. Uh, because Tyler Goodson lined up at out wide against Michigan, and that worked out pretty well. And Tyrone Tracy's got that explosive ability, and was a good running back back in high school. But uh, you, you kind of in that same boat, Sean. I can't see a scenario where Tyrone does that unless it's a trick play. Yeah, that'd be some fun. Um... Fun packages, though, if you could see Tyrone in the backfield. I think um, Goodson's going to be the main guy back there. I mean, obviously, he's going to be the main guy back there. But, you know, I think that'd be pretty fun to see to see Tyrone back there, maybe one or two plays a game, depending on how things are going. So that's kind of where I stand at that. But keep in mind, there's a lot of wide receiver talent. But, again, they, they called the depth and the Iowa's running backs dynamic. And that's Brian Ferentz, who does not really – heap around throw around praise easily uh will spencer petras top 250 yards and two touchdowns in a starting debut that's a pretty pretty solid number uh what are you thinking sean over under 250 yards two i'm gonna go over but just barely i think i think if you're gambling on that then I think it'd just be barely. Like, I think he'll be. I think he'll be on the edge of your seat all game. That's just me, though. That's, yeah, I think. I think it'd be close. I think that's a really good number. I really do. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. I'm gonna go just barely under. I'll go two thirty-five, two forty, because I think Iowa's gonna try to run the football and get that established. But I do see Iowa having a couple explosive passing plays, so maybe they'll go over to two seventy or something. I think two touchdowns is a fair mark. I think Spencer does get two. Uh, you know, maybe they attack the cornerbacks more. Uh, maybe he gets three. I think he'll at least get two, though. Again, I don't really trust Purdue's defense, but I think they're really going to try to establish the run game and alleviate pressure off Petrus in that first start. You thinking two tutties? 
for Petrus? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, yeah, I'm going with two. So let's see. We have a couple more here, and then we'll wrap things up. How do you foresee the Iowa backfield carries being dispersed? We have three previous starters back. Yeah, that's kind of crazy to think about. Uh, will Brian ride the hot hand or stick with Goodson? I think you have enough Goodson. I think you have enough like trust in Goodson at this point that I think I think he gets seventy or seventy five percent of the snaps. Sargent gets twenty. Then Goodson or Kelly Martin gets ten, maybe. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I I'd I'd wager that Goodson definitely gets the most snaps. Yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. Uh I'll go, I'll go 60, 30, 10. I think Goodson gets 60%. I think he's going to be the bulk of the carries. But with that being said, I think Iowa does try to ride the hot hand. I think Kelly Martin brings a little bit of something else that maybe the other two don't offer. Uh, but I think you, they will always find a way to keep Goodson established in the offense because he's not just a guy, a ground and pound guy. I mean, he was Iowa's leading receiver against Michigan last year. I mean, he can catch the ball and make things happen in space. So, I think that they'll disperse them well. I do think it's primarily going to be Sargent and Goodson with Goodson being kind of that lead back. Um, So, again, that will be something to keep an eye on. I think Goodson has put on a little bit more weight. I think he's going to be a little bit more comfortable going in between the tackles. Uh, So, again, I think that's something uh, noteworthy to watch for. Uh, Let's see here. Oh, two more. So, any any info on news from Iowa basketball, standout freshmen that might be getting playing time, players uh, that have seemed to really improve from last year. Sean, I'll let, you, I'll let you take it away. I'd say one freshman that could get some good playing time. We're not good playing time, but at least some. Probably the first that comes to mind is Tony Perkins, um, the guard out of Indianapolis. Dave, you reported before that. His defense has been really impressive. His athleticism is a lot, really, really good. Um, so I think he's one. I think maybe Keegan Murray could get on the floor with his shooting ability. Um, and then Joshua Gundaley, I think it might take him a bit to really get like a permanent role. But I think he's a guy that you have to really talk about a little bit. No, and I think you're right about that too. I mean, that's kind of my big question mark going into the season is, is Ogundale going to have to play as being that third big or is Fran just – keep Connor at the four at times. I mean, there's so much versatility with this lineup. I mean, Fran can do a lot of different things uh, with it. As far as players that have seemed to improve a lot from last year, I mean, I, I think you've kind of heard the same thing, Sean. I've heard Joe Wieskamp's played in a tremendous offseason. I expect him to come out with full confidence. And I think he's a first – I seriously think he's a first-team, all-Big Ten caliber guy. I think him and Luca Garza uh, both are. And if that's the case – Iowa's giving a tremendous spot because I don't anticipate Joe Wieskamp shooting 34% from three again. I think he's going to be in the low 40s um, this season. Again, if that's the case, I think that's going to be a big deal. I'd also look out for C.J. Frederick. He had a really solid freshman year, but he's back 100% healthy, 10 points a game, 46% from three last year, which led the Big Ten Conference. Uh, if If he can be a step quicker on defense, I think that he's going to be another reliable weapon uh, for Iowa. So those two guys I've heard have really, really taken a step forward. Uh, and again, I, it's tough. It'll be interesting to see if uh, what Jack Nungy and them can, you know, can bring to the table and what Patrick McCaffrey can. So those are a couple of guys to keep an eye on. Like you said, Keegan Murray, I've heard has been really impressive with the way he shot the ball. I think that 
him and his brother uh, are going to surprise some people because some people weren't exactly thrilled when Iowa gave him a scholarship. But uh, they put in a lot of work last year, and it does seem to be that they're fitting in well with the system and they're making an impact in practice. So how much does that translate to game days this season? I don't know, but I think they're going to be two very reliable players uh, for the future of Iowa basketball. So last question, then we'll go on to our keys and the final prediction. Sean, this is an interesting question, I think, but uh, do you think this is Kurt's last year? And if so, is Brian even going to be considered? Let's, uh, let's kind of preface this conversation with if we say anything in regards to it potentially being his last year is pure speculation. We are not hearing anything. Uh, it's just our, our opinion of the matter now. Sean, go ahead. I think it's coming down to it. I don't think this will be his last year. I think maybe in the next two or three years. I, this is, yeah, like you said, speculation. Um, I think it could be in the next two to three years maybe. That's just me. Um, it depends what kind of – just I don't know. I think two or three is just what I'm going to go with. And as far as Brian, I don't – think Brian stays at Iowa when Kirk leaves like that's just me I don't think I don't think it happens yeah I'm in the same boat as it's going to be two or three if it's four or five four I wouldn't shock me either I think that Kirk's still in phenomenal shape I think he wants to be here I think he's made that a point he wants to be at Iowa Um, I think it's also up to his legacy and it's important his legacy that he repairs I think the damage that has been done in the off season and if he can leave Iowa's culture in a better place three years from now, I'm not going to say it's, it's going to totally erase what happened because I don't think anything will, but it shows that real progress was made in the right direction. And he cared about fixing the problems that were within the program. Uh, and if that is the case, I think Brian will be considered for the head coach. As Brian Ferentz said in his first public comments, it's not about what's going on right now. It's about a year or two from now. Where are we? Are we in a better place than we were and are currently in? If, and again, I think if that's the case, I think Brian Ferentz will be considered for the coaching job. And, you know, it, maybe this is an unpopular opinion now. I think he should be. Um, if real strides were made and, and, Uh, he's done a lot of introspection and there's issues that are fixed. I think it's entirely forgivable to have a second chance for people. So that will be interesting when the time comes, but Sean, we've kind of delayed our predictions long enough. Give me one or two keys to an Iowa victory or the Iowa game on Saturday and give me your prediction. I think pass rush. I mentioned it before. That's going to be important. I think getting Spencer Peaches comfortable um, and really containing the Purdue defensive line, especially guys off the edge like George Kaloftis, that's going to be critical. Those are my two keys. I think if you do that, you're in good shape. I'm going to go Iowa 24 – actually, I'm going to go Iowa 27, Purdue 24, similar to that. Like, what was last year's score? Was it 26 20, I believe. 20- Something like that, yeah. I think it was 26-20. And David Bell went absolutely nuts in that game, by the way. Yeah, I think I think uh, David Bell is going to – I think David Bell and Rondell Moore are going to get theirs, but I think Iowa overall is going to do a pretty good job on them. Yeah, and I think if they combine for 220 yards, I 
you know, I still think Iowa has a good shot winning because there, there's just so much explosion there. Um, I may go off the grid a little bit. I think both your points are valid. I'm going to say Iowa not allowing Rondale Moore to have a big special teams play, not even uh, on offense. It's a big special teams play. If they can limit that, I think they'll be in good shape. And I think if Iowa's rushing averages over four and a half yards and they have at least hundred yards on the ground, I feel like Iowa's going to be in great shape because that's going to let Spencer Petras get comfortable. It's going to open things up for the play action. And I think that there'll be uh, my bold prediction is there's going to be a Tyrone Tracy touchdown. That's longer than 30 yards. I think Tyrone Tracy is an all big 10 caliber wide receiver. I'm re- I rewatched his highlights last year, and I really think he could be Iowa's best overall wide receiver that Iowa's had maybe in the Kirk Ferentz era by the end of his career. I think there's too much there. I think he's going to be utilized a lot this year. So with all of that being said, Sean, I'm going to go – I think what I put on the boards today was I'm going to go Iowa 34, and I'm going to go Purdue 24. I think that Iowa's offense will have no problem getting their own against Purdue's defense. I think Petrus goes for 240 and two touchdowns, and Goodson gets over 100 yards on the ground, and Iowa starts off the season and avoids an early season upset uh, from the Purdue Boilermakers. But I think that that about wraps it up, Sean. We got about everything? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. So we will be back Saturday post-game for all your analysis and instant reaction uh, podcast where we'll break down the entire game, offense, defense, special teams, things that stood out to us, what went wrong, what went right. And again, 60% off an annual subscription to HawkeyeInsider.com, um, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at David Eichel and at SBOC247 and at Hawkeyes on 24-7. And be sure to follow our podcast, the Swarmcast, on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, or just go to HawkeyeInsider.com where you can find an archive of all of our recent episodes. But that's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you in a few days. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.